you found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. As you can instantly tell, we are not in the studio, and that is because we are traveling. You saw the photos. You asked the questions. We are shooting the Civic Type R and the Elantra N. People have asked us to drive the Elantra N, and we've been wanting to do it for a long time. But good news, this is the 2023 version, and Mm -hmm. it is a manual transmission. So that comparison will be coming and we're excited to drive these cars. Yeah, very, very true. And of course, we are still hurtling our way toward the end of 2022. We'll probably do some like year in review and year to come stuff. Uh, it might be the first thing. Oh, yeah, we, we should. try to do that kind we of should. stuff. So we'll have some good questions about that kind of thing as we head into 2023. But keep in mind, we are finishing up our podcast year. We are going to take a break here for uh, for about three podcasts. We'll be back with you after the first of the year. This is not the last podcast. There'll be one more. But then I should remind you again, coming the 22nd is mm-hmm. our North trip mm-hmm. on our main YouTube channel. And I, I, I'm going to keep beating the drum for this because it's fun and it's family friendly. And maybe it's just me, but I think we all need something to watch as a family over the holidays. I agree. You'll be with us on the road trip. So this is the North road trip. And then in January, February, February 2023, yep. we will release the South trip. We went all the way to Austin from Park City, Utah and back. So that'll yep. be coming too. We've got a couple of great debates, uh, first from Carl in St. Louis, and then we're also going to cover, it's a bit of a topic, but uh, he's got a debate, Brian Kay in Chicago, Illinois, asking how to choose between front-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive. And of course, you know, knowing us... It seems like an assumed question, though. You all just kind of know what you want, but Mm -hmm. what if you don't know what you want? Well, you know, and you like cars, and the internet told you the answer, and of course, you know, we're going to be completely definitive, and we'll have the definitive, we're going to stamp it right here tonight. (laughs) I agree. It's going to have the definitive answer. Mm -hmm. Best of luck to us there. Carl writes to us from St. Louis, Missouri, asking about a two-car setup. He's been following the YouTube channel for a while. Really appreciate you writing, Carl. Mm -hmm. He recently started listening to the podcast, and he says he hopes we can make some recommendations for his situation. Right now, he drives a 2017 BMW 340i GT with a sport package and adaptive suspension. Okay. He works from home four days, but he does have a 30-mile round-trip commute to work one day per week on his day to take their toddler to school, he and his wife. Mostly highway, no traffic. He picks up both daughters from his mom's house once a week, one rear-facing and one forward-facing car seat. And that's a 15-mile round-trip and heavy traffic on suburban streets. And all of the fun car seat options. We got a rear facing, we got a front facing, yeah. we got to do them all. He's, got, he's being creative here. He also likes to take his dog out to trails on the weekends, and he prefers to have the dog in the cargo area instead of the back seat because okay. she's big and drooly, and his <laughs> wife won't let her near Hyundai Santa Fe. She's big and drooly, and she can't go in the family SUV, which I find fascinating. <laughs> I mean, you could coat the rear end of your yes, SUV and just cover everything. All to the Covercraft uh, dog products you could have yeah. It completely, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, they recently moved back to St. Louis after years in Texas. He thought he would need all-wheel drive for snow, but it really isn't that bad at all. I can see his line of thinking. Sure. You move out of Texas and you mm-hmm. think everywhere else has weather. Well, but, you know, even even if you did move somewhere where the weather was surprisingly bad and there was an amazing amount of snow, you 
probably wouldn't need all-wheel drive then either if you did the tires. We're, I still am amazed by how much fun our GR86 is on any slightly snowy day. We have full winter tires, and it's just a riot. Yeah, but anyway. I agree. Well, let's see. His car history in high school, he had a 10-year-old 90, 1995 Land Rover Discovery. <laughs> constantly in the shop. Of course it was. He only kept it for two years before selling it for the same price that they bought it for, and he will never drive something that unreliable again. So he got his money that he paid for it out of it, but how about all the money you spent trying to keep it on the road? That's all gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first car he bought himself out of college was a brand new 2013 Volkswagen Jetta. It was a great-looking car, and he really got a great deal on it and enjoyed it. But then someone hit and totaled it, Oof. and he realized he rushed into a decision right after that because he had gotten a dog and wanted a bigger car. He test drove an Audi SQ5 and thought it was great, but couldn't afford it, so he <laughs> went for the Q5 2015. <laughs> this is eight, why they quick. Make, this is why they make yeah. all of those model options. Yeah. You drive the big boy, you love it, you can't afford the big boy. What if I got the one down? Yeah, uh-huh. Says also the dog was getting bigger. He was doing a lot of DIY house projects, so he felt like he bought too nice of a car. Mm. You know, a lot of dog drool in the back. And yeah, all over the Audi, and the, the Audi getting, didn't like that for nice. sure. Yeah, so he traded down for a Toyota Tacoma V6 Pre-Runner 2015, fit his life perfectly, and then earlier this year in 2022, he decided he no longer needed a truck, but he realized maybe he never needed it. Mm. Interesting. So he sold it for only $1,500 less than he bought it five years prior. <laughs> the market never is so weird. It really is. But he never put a penny into it outside of maintenance, which was probably pretty low. I would imagine, And yeah. this is skewing his term for reliability, I think. You're right, yes. Because no future performance car you're going to buy will have that same mm. low cost in maintenance. That's a good thought, yeah. <clears throat> in his first car search, he was looking for something exciting but not flashy. Hmm. Something fun to drive and nice to be in. Even though he loves the idea of a two-door, he needed the back seat room for kids and the cargo space for the dog drool. <laughs> just the drool. <laughs> just the, the dog drool comes along. later. Right now we just have a puddle of drool. He sends us a list of things that he looked at. A lot of them are Volkswagen, Audi Group. Well, he's got some German cars in here. But he does have a 2021 Stinger on the list. Mm-hmm. He liked it, but he says a lot of Hyundai and Kia products get stolen around where they live. They have first-hand experience with his wife, Santa Fe. Does that mean you've had your Santa Fe stolen and gotten it back? Or, or it suggests that you've had it's it stolen unclear. almost more than once. I mean, I, why is... This is not good. Why is there... St. Louis, can you answer this question? Why is there a rash on stealing Hyundai and Kia products? But if That's it's a nice strange. car, why isn't any nice car targeted Agreed. Like that? I mean, Agreed. your BMW, yeah. Carl, your, your Very 2017 3 Series... And all the other cars that you list, why wouldn't they be targeted? Like a 2018 BMW 440i Grand Coupe. You would think. A Volkswagen Ardeon. I mean, why aren't these cars targeted to be stolen? I yeah. mean, is it just an easier thing? We don't know, but it's, it's a little unclear as to your experience. We're very sorry that happened. I mean, a stolen car. We've experienced stolen gear, <laughs> which disrupted our lives and still comes up to this day. Yeah, it does. We remember a piece of data or a piece of clothing mm -hmm. or something. Totally. That was in my bag, got stolen. But a car that's so personal. I'm curious about any choice that we give you, though, mm -hmm. if it would be out because of the possibility of being stolen. Well, and I'm wondering, why is it a Hyundai Kia brand thing? I just Okay, very interesting. I, I think 
the fact that he has this BMW and it hasn't been stolen, and he has, he says, maybe as much as... <laughs> you have your BMW and it hasn't been stolen yet. Weird. Good job. Weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, there, there's something going on there socially that we just don't understand, but clearly other cars are okay, uh, at least he believes them to be okay. We're talking about $35,000 or so, so whatever we buy, it's not going to be some cheap beater. Right. <laughs> BMWs, everybody has one of those. But a Stinger. But a Stinger. Let's, Kia Stinger. Let's go let's grab that. that. Is, there, is there a Stinger chop shop somewhere? <laughs> I missed I missed a memo, clearly. Well, he says this le- led him to his current car because he, all these choices, he says, the reason he got his BMW is because it, he likes the steering in sport mode and it's got plenty of power for getting people around or getting around people on the highway. He thinks it Good. looks great. The back seat is huge. Plenty of room for all the car seat configurations you can think of. <laughs> forward facing back facing <laughs> dog drooling on it all of the th- configurations work but here is his current situation he said it's great monday to friday but it's not a twisty road on the weekend kind of car definitely yeah he's wondering if instead of to find one compromise car could he go with a two-car solution you've listened to this podcast before yeah <laughs> but his budget at this point is around thirty-five thousand dollars, which seems Hi, I mean, are are we talking about keeping the BMW at this point or just adding something fun for the weekend? I think he's theoretically trying to jettison both. That's the idea I get, too, because he's open to cheap minivans and SUVs for the daily, mm-hmm. but then he would like something to be extremely reliable if he does get that. Yeah. And he wants it to be fun, too. Well, you kind of have that car already. True. Yeah, I mean, he certainly enjoyed that with the BMW, but it's not special enough. I don't get the sense that the BMW can stay and the new thing can come in at the same time. So I, f- I feel like the $35,000 budget is is for all of the above. It's two brand new cars. What's interesting, we haven't had a lot of people do this, but I do think it's funny when you do. Carl, From you gave us your listing of, of your dream cars. Mm-hmm, not the cars mm-hmm. you're considering, because you've covered some of those, but your dream cars. This is the Money No Object Garage. For a sports car, you want a 911 Targa. For a daily, you'd like an RS6, six wa- RS6 wagon, which, of course, we'd all like an RS6 wagon. We don't even need one. Of course. We just all would like one. Or maybe an M3 wagon. He said, I wish. The uh, the Lexus uh, SUVs, the LX and the GX are interesting, and the Bronco Raptor, which doesn't connect with anything else he's talked about here, is a Bronco Raptor. But it's interesting to see <laughs> he what doesn't your... admit that's a wild card. Totally. It, it's interesting to see what your dream cars are, though, because that also informed my thinking about this in general. Okay. So we're doing two cars, thirty-five grand or so. So let's say, because it's us, let's say forty grand. All right. You can split this any way you want, but your daily needs to be some sort of hatchback that can hopefully also be fun. But I did note that you drove an Outback at one point, and you were like, "This is great." It's great for the kids. It's great for the dogs. Hell, the tech you're looking for, you said it just didn't have any cool or fun factor, which I will agree with that assessment across the board. But that made me think, I think you need a Crosstrek. Hmm. As the daily. Now, they're not fun. They're not but fun. They're, but they're bang around. I think they're more interesting than the Outback. Get the sport version, which is a little bit more powerful. I mean, frankly, what Subaru should do, and they won't because it'll encroach on the WRX, is put the really good turbo motor and a six-speed in that, and then I think we'd recommend the Crosstrek <laughs> all the time. Not going to happen. Hi, I'm a product planner from Subaru. Not going to happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But if they would do that, I think we would recommend the, <laughs> it'd be like the official car of the Everyday Driver podcast. It'd be the Crosstrek. That's with true. The, 
By the way, Subaru, if anybody's from Subaru's listening, do you know how many those would sell if you built it? Yes, I think... It would just sell. You wouldn't have to do anything else. (laughs) We wouldn't shut up about it. It would sell. But it makes me wonder if the Crosstrek might be be chuckable enough to get you through your needs while still having... Because the the wild card you have here is it needs to be able to be covered in kid goo Mm -hmm. and covered in dog goo. And so that's the thing where the cross track is just like whatever you want to do, bring it. Yeah, it's not all that fun, yeah. but I but I think its smaller form factor than the Outback will make it more chuckable. So I really wonder about that. I also thought you might want to get an older used Mazda three. Those in wagon form are surprisingly fun and really good, and we like them. I I don't want to put you back in the situation you had before though with your Audi, where you just feel like I bought a car too nice for my needs. That's the difficulty here for me with that mm-hmm. with, with the commute car. But he's already you? swung the other way too dramatically with the Toyota Tacoma, the pre runner. Yes, he, he went he, too far the opposite direction. Totally, we we pinballed back and forth here. So I'm curious where you went. You know, I've been toying with all the hot front wheel drive sedans. Okay, but any of the hatchback flavors of those have kind of a, a high liftover for the, the hatch part of it. Mm. And I don't know that they're low enough for your dog to jump in, or it might get tiresome because you want to have him in the back, like the Acura Integra. Sure. It's a higher jump over mm-hmm. for a dog unless you have a ramp, but I don't get, see that happening. Dog ramps, uh, they're, they're a thing, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose you can. You'd I mean, have I've to, seen yeah. them. Mm-hmm. But again, <laughs> it's almost too nice. An Integra is slightly too nice, mm, mm-hmm. but anything you do for kids and dog, I feel like you're going to need to, yeah, either use a moving blanket or buy covercraft gear to, mm-hmm. to coat the back of your car totally. and do that or mats or something. You're going to have to come up with a solution because if we go really cheap and bang around, you don't care about the dog hair and the mm-hmm. stains and the spills and all that stuff it's going to not do the reliability thing that you are craving because it's not going to be new enough. It's going to be old and beat yeah, up, yeah. but then you're going to be putting maintenance into it and you think, all right, I've got this 80 to 120,000 mile hatch thing. That's kind of fun, mm-hmm. but I don't care about it. And then I can't wait to drive whatever else, whatever other car that we pick for you that's some mm-hmm. fun two-door for the, for the weekend. But I don't know that you'd ever get around to driving that because of the family duties maybe i mean it, it, it he keeps suggesting here and we don't know really but carl keeps suggesting here that he does do weekend fun drives and the this is why the bmw has disappointed him because he realizes it doesn't do that duty so there must be something going on is it date nights or something carl that's allowing you to get out and have some fun drives and i was very struck by your dream car 911 targa and i just went wait a minute if we've got 40 grand to spend spend 20 on the used Crosstrek or whatever, the, the, the mm-hmm. hatchback or whatever it is, and spend 20 grand and get yourself a Boxster. That's don't, cool. Don't, don't, yeah. eye, don't eye the 911 from afar and go, someday, but I don't think I can do it. Go get a Boxster. But wouldn't that get stolen in St. Louis, too? It doesn't have a Kia or Hyundai badge. Here's the thing, so, Carl. No, don't right. put a Kia or Hyundai badge as a joke on your on your box trick or somebody will grab it. That's I, how I think... to prevent getting your Porsche stolen. <laughs> well, but, but what I do find interesting is very often, though, the cars that get stolen are not sports cars because they're too low volume. Isn't the Civic one of the most stolen cars? Civics and Accords? They get wrecked a lot, but yeah. Some of the most have, stolen they cars. They have gone through some generations uh, where they were very stolen because they could be they could be chopped up so easily. Mm. But I really think the Boxster gives you that I'm dreaming of a Porsche experience now. 
And then you can really have a conversation yeah. about, do I need anything other than this? And you could have a $20,000 Boxster, which would be good. You could have a $20,000 bang-around car. And I think you'd be surprised by how that checks all the boxes. And I, what I like about that so much is the fact that that 911 Targa feels like that's your brass ring, but it feels like I'll never do it. So you get the Boxster for cheap. And okay. you go, what do, you okay. think, what do I think of this? Huh, you know, I, this cars getting stolen thing is bugging me, Carl. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do about it. We don't have any information as to your parking situation, your housing situation, what could be parked off street, what's in a garage. I mean, I know those are not foolproof by any means, but we don't know what's going on there. And I hesitate to, to think of any really nice cars, but I'm surprised you haven't had any problems with your BMW, and maybe you have. Again, all this is unclear, but if we say beater to park on the street, great, that's the commuter car, but that has every bit of much of a chance to be stolen as anything else because it's older, it's easily accessible, you can just, and nobody's looking, and boom, it's gone. So I'm really concerned about this whole situation because if I say get a an older Golf R or a GTI or a Mini Cooper, something fun, those hatchbacks are low enough for the dog to get in mm-hmm. and for a m- multitude of configurations of car seats in those cars, which would be great. Yeah. And then you could do something for the fun weekend car, but where is that weekend car stored? Great. I think I think the thing that is is happening here that he's not specifically speaking to, and that is there there's apparently a hack thing on Hyundai's and Kia's specifically that relates to the USB port. That is a way that you can you can hack these cars, and that it needs to be solved. And the immobilizer doesn't work like it's supposed to or compared to other cars. I don't have like detailed okay. information on this, but apparently they are a little bit easier to steal, and that is making them... <laughs> Consult our car thief friends. Exactly. I, I, I'm all, got them on speed dial right now. You can't What's hear me doing What's the deal? It. Yeah, so what did you steal this week? No, but, but apparently that is part of, the, part of the thing, is that they are easy targets, so it makes them things that get stolen. Mm-hmm. So I actually think if we go away from that brand, we're probably safe, but you're right, he hasn't been clear Safe-ish. enough... Safe-ish. <laughs> Safer, okay? <laughs> but he hasn't been clear enough about why, why that's an issue... In in his area, but I, I suspect it's this ongoing issue. But I, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to be we're going to be bold that other cars hopefully won't get stolen. I'm looking at the fun hatches, the Elantra N. Well, it's not a hatch, but like uh, the Integra, I, I come back to that. It's thirty-five to thirty-seven thousand dollars. Sure, yeah. Now, I suggest it because you need a hatch over the sedan that is the Civic Si. I recommend the Si over the Integra, but you need the hatch. Mm-hmm. And it is huge on the Integra. It's very useful, especially when you fold the seats down. You have a lot of space for all kinds of kids and dogs and stuff that you're going to go do. And it's fun to drive. It's still really fun to drive. And it would be a great commute car. But then you do need something to look forward to. And I, I love the Boxster idea. I love the, the special thing that's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be driven, too. Agreed, and I don't. He hasn't been clear enough on on how much that might get driven. But you've started to make me think about the non-SI current Civics as we're talking this through. You know, because we like we just drove regular we drove a Touring, and we were incredibly surprised mm. by it. What if you got yourself one of those because it is an all-purpose dad car with a surprising amount of space, and yet 
it is just a fun, chuckable chassis. I mean, I know we've currently got the Civic Type R here, but you can go anywhere in that current lineup and you can get a car that is really surprisingly fun to use. So what if you found yourself a current Civic for just over 20 and then the rest of it was play money for a Boxster, a Miata, something like mm. that that gets you a sports car experience. But then you'd have a pretty new car that has a worthwhile chassis to have as the daily. Okay, what if we looked at M2s or 240i's? Oh, wow, okay, all right. He and is a BMW the, guy. the fun car, you know what I mean, for, sure. for the weekend. But because it's still got some usefulness to it, even though it could be argued that if it doesn't and it's more of a pure sports car like a Cayman or a Boxster, then mm-hmm. it, that's your special thing. But yeah. mm. maybe an M2 for the weekends and you're rocking something cheaper during the week. Possibly. I, it comes back to your question earlier. We're not sure how he's going to drive them, but I, I think I wonder about the M2 just not being dedicated enough because you can't get the car seats in the back and you want to take it, but you can't. You know, At least with the two-seater, then it's like, oh, well, me and the wife are going to do something now. Yeah, it forces you in that direction. It's interesting. We're, we're not fully definitive on this debate, Carl. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And you're right. Maybe it is just a, a Hyundai-Kia thing that is making those cars easy targets. So if you buy something really expensive and hot, then you're fine. <laughs> my my wife's How Santa weird. Fe must be under lock and key in the garage. The Boxster's on the street. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody can touch it. Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun, and it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com. Or navigate directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Our second debate is from Brian writing in from Chicago, and he's asking a question that kind of helped him decide between two cars, but this is one of those Topic Tuesdays where we're not going to solve it because he's going, how do I choose between front-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive? He's done a bunch of test drives, he's, he's listening to the podcast, watching our videos and others, and his top two picks for his next car are the Toyota GR86, like the one we own, or the <laughs> Hyundai Elantra N, like the one we're currently driving. And as you can see, they are similar in price. They are similar in being focused enthusiast cars, but one is a refined rear-wheel drive setup specific chassis, and the other is a super hot front-wheel drive. Brian, your email was very intriguing to me because as I'm reading it, it almost matters less what car you end up buying and more about your decision-making process and ultimately what you like. Mm -hmm. But the way you've termed the email is as if you need to be definitive about it. Like the next car that I get, that's going to be the car. Capitalized, underlined, in bold. Mm -hmm. This is the car because I've decided I'm a front-wheel drive person and I like front-wheel drive (laughs) and there's some great ones out there and I chose one of them and this is it for the rest of time. And I felt like it was so set in stone that it never left any room for for the Mm. future. Mm. Because 
you don't have to decide between rear and front wheel drive. We've got a couple of cars right now that we were blown away by. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even really shot anything of the video yet. We just picked up the cars and as you said, Todd, they're superb. They they both have their differences, but yeah, they're both very they're good. really great. And we're in a time when car manufacturers are still building these cars. Yeah. There's yeah. more manual transmissions available on the market to buy now than I've ever thought. It, it is surprising to the ones that are hiding out there. And, you know, we, uh, look, I will admit my bias. I am a rear-wheel drive guy. I love rear-wheel drive. And it is awesome to be in two brand-new, simultaneously being sold, front-wheel drive cars that are set up so wonderfully to be great to drive, rear-wheel drive be damned. That is really, they're, really they're cool. great to We're drive. We're thoroughly enjoying it. So, Brian, one of his questions here, his big question is he's just going... Okay, I have these two cars. Mm-hmm. Am I overlooking anything? But more importantly, if I get a chance to test drive these, what am I looking for? Mm-hmm. Because he's mm-hmm. never had a rear-wheel drive experience, and he thinks he should, and I do think you should, but you've already kind of touched on this, Paul. He's got time. In life, he's got time. But yeah, yeah. he's saying, how do I actually define this if I'm doing a 30-mile-an-hour, go-around-three-blocks test drive, what do I need to do? Well, first off, Brian, you need to get more of a test drive than that. Yeah, the, the answer is any test drive will not give you the feeling of understanding what the car's dynamics are. Yeah, I'm wondering if it, this is one of those kind of Turo or drive share situations where you need to find some of these cars to drive for some time. I agree. I'm wondering about yes. that. But the, the other thing that this reminds me of, because we've had these emails before, and I'm wondering if Brian's one of these people, and that is... We have definitely had people write in. Again, I've already said I love rear-wheel drive. We've had people that have written in that love front-wheel drive, and they like the feeling of a turbo front-wheel drive so much that they've had a rear-wheel drive car at some point in their life, and they were like, I get it, but it's not for me. And they go back to front-wheel drive because they prefer it. Mm -hmm. So, Brian, Mm -hmm. what you're going to have to figure out is which one of those you prefer, but you're going to have to have lengthy test drives to do it on decent roads. And, man, I I really wonder, because of your front-wheel drive experience up to this point, if you might get in, if you had them back-to-back, the 86 and the Elantra, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would you get in them both the back-to-back and be like, you know, I prefer the Elantra? Because you you have to know going in, and you've already picked it, both of them are very well set up. So if you have front-wheel drive experience, I wonder if that would just feel more comfortable to you and you would just naturally gravitate toward it versus driving a bad front-wheel drive car and a rear-wheel drive car. Mm -hmm. That's easy to Mm -hmm. define. But if you're a front-wheel drive person, you might be. So what's the one that matches your daily driving needs the best? They will both be fun. They'll both get off the line in traffic. But here's the thing. If you're used to that turbo punch and you don't have it, a lot of people miss it. Now, I'm a guy that I like the progression of naturally aspirated. I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to put my foot in it. But, you know, if you're used to darting through traffic and you need that mid-range punch and you're Mm -hmm. like, where'd my turbo go? So you're going to have to align this with your driving. But then I really dug down, Brian, and I thought, what are you trying to feel? Okay. Yes, good. So... However you get these test drives done, and they need to be more length, even if you talk to the dealer like, look, I need some time, but you need to find some corners for these cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want you, I'm not even going to pick for you which one is better because that's for you. But you need to think about what the front tires feel like they're doing in a corner because that is the fundamental difference of front-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive. Will you feel it? You'll feel something different. Notice how the steering wheel feel 
changes in a corner as you turn the wheel more, as you add power. This is where front-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive are going to clarify for you their differences. It's not going to do it that much in a straight line, even though that has differences too. It's going to be in that mid-corner nuance. And if you get to drive the same circuit back-to-back and you're thinking about, what are the front wheel? What are the front wheels doing right now? What's, what am I feeling them do mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I ask more of the tires? You're going to find one that connects with you. Mid-corner steering changes and throttle changes between those two platforms, that's where the difference lies. And what do you prefer? And I, I'll be honest, I prefer rear-wheel drive, but a really fun front-wheel drive car is still a laugh. That's excellent. Brian, I'm thinking over here too. And I know Todd prefers mid-engine rear-wheel drive. Yeah, they're awesome. That, that's my preference. I love rear-wheel drive cars, but I prefer mid-engine rear-wheel drive because of how it transfers the weight and the power to those rear wheels. But any good track driving instructor will tell you at the beginning of your education that really all you're doing on track is managing the contact patch of mm. the tires. Mm. And to do that, it's it makes all kinds of sense sitting in a classroom being talked through a corner. <laughs> when you're yeah. heavy on the on the accelerator, guess what happens? The front wheels get light and therefore you feel less of them mm-hmm. and your your contact patch isn't as big up there and then mm-hmm. when you're braking heavily that front contact patch on both is very heavy mm-hmm. so you can you can feel so I, I want you to start thinking in terms of the contact patches on your tires and what they're doing under hard acceleration mm-hmm. that's when you're feeling it and then also on curves as todd said you may have to budget some money to go to I believe you're really intensely looking at doing this. You're, you're not going to be satisfied just picking a front-wheel drive example of something and picking a rear-wheel drive example of something because the dynamics of both are magnified in the cars that you've listed, mm-hmm. like the Mark 7 GTI and the Civic Si and the GR86 and the Elantra. And they're, they're such good cars that the dynamics of those really come through. You can't just go drive any front-wheel drive car and sort of, I understand what front-wheel drive feels like mm. now because I drove a old Mazda 3. Yeah, we're talking about definitive no, versions don't. of the platforms, for sure, yeah. And in my thinking, for a front-wheel drive car to be completely praised and everybody who is, you know, the rear-wheel drive camp and <laughs> nothing but rear-wheel drive cars was the Fiesta ST. When true. that came out... true. Everybody kind of looked at each other and thought, this is really good. I'm having a great time. Yeah. I really like it. I would own this car. We were in that camp for sure. This has thrown front-wheel drive and the dynamics and the snobbery against front-wheel drive right out. Mm -hmm. It's thrown it out on its (laughs) ear. Yeah. We should consider front-wheel drive cars because look at what Ford has done. And Mm -hmm. that has proliferated. I know there's other front-wheel drive cars prior to that, but that just, that sticks out in my mind as a real definitive. We've put a lot of technology into making front-wheel drive equate to an enthusiast car. 
Never before has that really happened. I mean, like I said, there there are other examples. There certainly have been examples. Really but, but sticks in, out. But in the U.S., me. it it was a defining moment. I think partially because Ford did it, also because it came here. I mean, there's obviously been great front wheel drive hatches in Europe, and the Europeans have known this for a while. Of we course, Americans of course. took us a while to come around. I remember even <laughs> yeah. even you know we were doing the show at the time. I remember when I first heard that Ford was doing. A Fiesta ST, it was like, really? The Fiesta? You're going to make a hot version? And then I drove it and went, oh, wait. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I mean, to the, to the lengths where Ford explained what they did to the steering geometry and the front steering knuckles. Yeah. And all the effort that went into that, you thought, why are you doing all this? <laughs> it and did then seem you drive weird. it. Yes, it did seem weird. <laughs> and everybody, to the person, raises an eyebrow and goes, oh, mm-hmm. I see now. And therefore, front-wheel drive can be very much for enthusiasts. And they've only gotten better from there to the point where we're now debating Civic, uh, sorry, Civic Type R, which is hallowed ground, Mm -hmm. versus Elantra N. And then you think, oh, they're only front-wheel drive. No, no. (laughs) They're amazing. Please come join us. Yes. So I want you to budget some money to be able to Turo drive share uh, offer to pay somebody on a forum. If, mm-hmm. You know, could I rent your car? Could I borrow? You know, could I spend an hour or two with your totally. car? Yeah, and really understand. And also keep in mind that in the future, you may need to do that for someone else too. Yeah, we, you're right. We're we're creating a pass it on situation here, but it's absolutely valid. And once you do, and you experience under hard acceleration through a corner, and Again, back to the tire patch, and you're mm-hmm. managing that through a corner and understanding <laughs> when you see somebody drifting a front-wheel drive car and the back end's coming around, <laughs> and they're managing that patch, but they're driving differently to be able to do that. and <laughs> Left foot braking and chuck it in. Yeah. <laughs> Even harder than you do with a, a rear-wheel drive car. I, I love that you're really wanting to get to the heart of this, but only you can ultimately answer that, but it has to be in similar conditions and dry roads, good roads, and decent tires, and really understand and be thinking all about that. So the stereo's off. You know, mm-hmm. Ideally, it's just mm-hmm. you in the car. And when you throw it through the same corner, then you come back with the, the other car. You know, yeah. Whatever order you do this in, yeah, yeah. come back with the other car, front or rear-wheel drive, and then do the exact same thing and do your repetitive motion. And as you roll onto the throttle or you brake hard and you feel the contact patch and then feel what the car wants to do mm-hmm. and how your driving style changes with mm. both cars, yeah. and then you'll be able to say, well, you know what, I like this. You'll, you'll like both. There's great qualities for both. For but sure. you'll say, you for know sure. what, I like this feeling better because... You know what? Under hard acceleration, those front wheels lightened up a little bit, or you know, whatever whatever conclusion whatever the combo you reach. Is, yeah, yeah. But I like that you're really asking, and to to find your answer, you're going to have to invest a little bit of time and money into finding that. But again, that doesn't have to mean this is the definitive choice. And once you choose, you're locked in forever, and that's it <laughs> for the rest of your life. You're having this car, and you can never do anything else. This is your only chance to decide, Brian. Rear wheel driver, front <laughs> wheel. Not at all. You, you, you make your choice, and that's just you got to stay there for you life. Say, you know what? Because of the place I am in life, with the finances that I have, yeah, and yeah. where I live, you know what? Front wheel drive is for me at this point in my life, and I aspire to own a rear wheel drive car, and I look forward to buying. The more expensive something, sure, sure. And once it's used and I can afford it, then I'll get that a little bit later. You can 
you, can you, you have time, kind of right? Meter it out you, there there, there are many cars in your future for sure. But I'm I'm thrilled. You know, for Todd and I, it's really come over time. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can say in high school, I couldn't have told you exactly what kind of style that I liked. I wasn't a good enough driver. Mm-hmm. I didn't have mm-hmm. nearly enough experience. And it's only come by you and I doing this show and driving in so many different kinds of situations. We're spoiled in that regard. I'm not for saying sure. you've yeah. got to have track time and go sure. really parse oh, sure. it out no, no, or no, shaving no. tents and no, no. You know, clip the apex exactly the same way you did last time. I'm not saying that. That's far. That's going too far. Agreed. I mean, I, would, I feel like the, most, the majority of people that listen to this show, if we were able to put you in two very different cars, or two, but two excellent cars. The mm-hmm. cars we're talking about are just find your two back to back on the same road on the same day. I think anybody listening would be surprised at how many things they could share about what they felt in different sensations. Mm-hmm. Now, the difficulty is you and I try to do it at speed on camera to be recorded and, and cut together later. But well, what, what also I, be succinct so exactly. the point comes across immediately. <laughs> we got to make it happen. But, I, <laughs> but I've all, I'm always intrigued. I mean, it happens on, our, on our, uh, our road trips and stuff that we do with people, our adventures. It's interesting to sit at dinner and get people to verbalize. And sometimes it takes uh-huh. a little while to get it. But the, the difference in sensation is clear. Yeah. It's the verbalizing that's hard. So, yes. so if you can get a similar place to drive these cars, just any, and it doesn't even have to be the 86 and the Elantra N, just any well-sorted rear-wheel drive and any well-sorted front-wheel drive, I think you're going to figure out the thing that speaks to you and your life, and then we can shop from there. Thank you for writing. Keep us posted, Brian. I'm really intrigued by this, and I'm intrigued by your, your level of commitment to this. So yeah, for sure. Really appreciate it. If you've got your own debate, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new, and they've decided to have a new Haggerty Marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members, and sellers get access to millions of car lovers. There's all kinds of cars on there, too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look around. We know you'll love it. We have some excellent audience questions, but many of you, and we know we've created this problem for ourselves, are asking us our opinion of the Civic Type R versus the Elantra N. And I'm going to say something crazy. This is why we do the video. So the video will be coming. We'll be talking about that in a lot of detail. But I wanted to talk about Joseph's question. He's asking, but he's a bad question, a bad person on Facebook. He's asking that because he said he leaves his C8 Corvette to sleep outside even though he has a garage, he said the forums tell him that he is a bad person, is he? Joseph, my first question, and somebody already asked this, my first question is, what's in the garage? <laughs> That's I mean, true. I just, that you, forces that to you be You have answered. a garage. Hopefully so it's a car, parks, not a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, I'm worried about you just, that's your own personal storage unit, and I'm going to say it's time to clear some stuff out. But I will say this, look, if it, if it parks outside, fine, but I'm going to say you need a cover for it. You just need a Covercraft cover for it. You need to go that route. Mm-hmm. Because if it's going to park outside, it needs to be protected somewhat. And I think you'll be happier that you did. But I'm really confused by what the garage is being used for. True. Although, bravo on not being uh, owned by your car. He's not. It's not precious, which is great. And I hope that means you're also... I hope it's not just that you're not precious and letting it park. I hope you're driving it hard. Agreed. 
Over on Facebook, Rusty Buckskin asks how much time we spend editing each podcast episode. Mm. Any shortcuts or tips that we have to help reduce the overall editing time for those looking to enter the podcast scene? Mm. It depends on kind of the mood that Todd and I are in, and if we're very <laughs> succinct and on it. Sometimes there's, you know, one of us has a, a cold or mm-hmm. just snorting and whatever, and it needs to be edited out. Or sometimes not getting the point across and I want it to be more succinct. And also I really am adamant about the word. Basically you will never hear that word come out of my mouth. (laughs) It's the most useless, non-descriptive word. Does the song go like this or does it basically go like this? (laughs) Let's be succinct in our verbiage and clear with our words. And you won't hear a lot of and ums and so ums. We all have our verbal tics, and you've heard them over and over. And we have ours, for sure. You've, you, people have made <laughs> drinking games still, around ours. I yeah. know. There's still too many ums and so ums and and ums and that kind of thing. And it drives me up a wall. And the reason it does is because when I learned presentation skills, and I would stand up in front of people and then realize what I was doing. Mm. And then now I look for that in good speakers. And the mm. best speakers that I'm engaged with do not use those filler words and they do not use the word um to hold the floor, to keep the floor while they think of what they're going to say next sure. and prevent yeah. anybody else from speaking. Yeah. That bugs me. <laughs> but when we have podcast guests, I want them to sound succinct and clear with their words. And so I'll go through and edit a few things out. I don't yeah. want it to yeah. sound so robotic and sanitized. And sometimes for large sections of podcast, I'm not touching it at all because there's the human element too. I want it to sound raw and the emotion coming through. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I also don't want it to have large air gaps. And I want thoughts to flow from one to the next because that's how I want to listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I want it to be succinct. I want research to have been done so we're knowing what the subject matter is we're talking about. Looking at all that holistically what do you want a podcast to sound like? I've heard of, I've listened to so many podcasts that have dead air spaces Mm. and the filler words to try to stretch something out. And I'm thinking, go through and just chop that out. But on the other hand, that takes a lot of time and effort to do that. It does. And some podcasts are fine with, with different delivery than you and I, and and Mm -hmm. we're not certainly not saying that we are the definitive person. Not at all. But uh, Rusty, I'm going to say this to you. It's just a choice of how we sound. Yeah. What are you using as your editorial program is a factor here. But, you know, we use Final Cut for everything. We use it for podcasts. We use it for TV. We use it for all of our stuff. And we have a very specific and refined way that we edit things. But most uh, editing programs have what's called JKL editing. And that's because that's in the middle of your keyboard. Those letters are next to each other, JKL. And that allows you to scroll forward, scroll backwards. If you can do it, the way to do things succinctly is to, to listen back at time and a half 150% real-time speed. You're saving time. You're not going to catch everything unless you get really good at listening to stuff time and a half. But you can save yourself time. I think you need to plan for probably about time, uh, 150% of the actual runtime for you to listen back through a podcast and find the stuff you want to fix. Plan for If you did an hour-long podcast, it's at mm-hmm. least a 90-minute edit. I think that's a safe guess. But sometimes Paul has spent hours and hours trying to clean up something where we had a call in or something and we had issues. And there's other times when he's like, yeah, I listened through real quick and it went pretty fast. So it really does depend on the podcast itself. You're going to have to find a way you can be faster and that's going to come with time. 
Yeah, you dealing with volume levels from each totally. audio input and yes. those kind of things. Ultimately, Rusty, what do you want your podcast to sound like? Is mm. it conversation? Because in normal conversation, if you just listen to it, there's a lot of stops and starts and blank air and dead air spaces. Yes. Yes. But that's because we have body language to fill all that in. Mm-hmm. With a podcast, you have none of that, unless True. it's a video podcast, of course. Yeah. But you don't have <laughs> eye contact, you don't have yep. body language, yep. you don't have shrugs and all the stuff that we take, which is at far more than verbal mm-hmm. communication. But with a podcast, we like the audio element. So I like the rapid fire. I like my thoughts are always going. Here's the mm-hmm. next thing. And it's yeah, keeping yeah. my brain engaged constantly. And so ultimately, what do you want your podcast to sound like? Dartman44 on Instagram has a question that I'm curious for you to answer as well, Paul. But I, I ended up a weird place on this. And he says, what is our favorite car maker logo, past or present? Maserati. <laughs> you do like the fork, don't you? I love the fork. You're a big fan of the fork. That's funny. I like That's things very funny. that are definitive. Sure. Ford is a great example. The script has been there for decades. Sure, yeah. And yeah. yet, it is on the Mustang Mach-E, one of their newest, latest. It's on the Ford Lightning, the F-150 Lightning. It's a great Lightning. point. It's a great point. Something that harkens back to old school. It's in a cursive script that is very much... Back in the day, old school, and mm-hmm. yet it's still modern-looking enough and still part of the heritage. They have not modernized the word Ford. True, yeah. It could be modernized, much like the new GM logo you've seen. You're right, yes. The new Cadillac logo, even though totally. Cadillac is on the script. It's, that old script is still in, the, in Cadillacs. But in the, various places, but the, the logo new word, very, like monolithic, yeah, very blocky monolithic. Yeah. It, it's very much like you see production company block letters. Mm-hmm. You'll You're never right. see lowercase when you you know the movie uh, yeah. production company yeah, up yeah. on screen. Yeah. It's always uh, capitalized block letters. Brought to you by Cadillac. I got you. Yeah, that's exactly. Funny. That's very right. good. I like definitive shapes, easily recognizable shapes. Porsche doesn't even cut it. Ferrari does. Interesting. Okay. All prancing right. horse. There's a prancing horse on the Porsche logo. It's just very tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the horse, like, yes, that the is definitive. definitive. The clover leaf for Alfa Romeo. Sure. The, the quadrifolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Definitive, not just the color, but the shapes. Very mm-hmm. clean and clear. Whereas there's some shapes that are amorphous. Mazda's is fine, but it's sort of like, what is that? Is it a bird? Is it wings? Is it, sure. Is it, it is yeah. a stylized M. Yeah. I suppose it's all of those things. Yeah, sure. Then there's the word itself, Kia. People keep Googling KN. <laughs> KN because there's no crossbar in the What is the, is the KN car company? <laughs> the KN brand. <laughs> it's not an N. It's does back. That, it doesn't matter. Anyway, does that it's mean it's a success or a failure i can't really tell well if kia is smart they've bought kncars.com yes. and all of those things they have searched <laughs> exactly. in the heck out of that if they save themselves you know what i thought of that i just love and i think part of it is because i don't see it because it doesn't exist anymore but anytime i do i love it and that is packard Oh, they sure. have a really interesting crest. And, of course, because you don't see those cars at all anymore, yeah. you don't think of that crest. But it's got a crest that kind of does a, a fleur-de-lis kind of shape, even though it's got a lot of reds in uh-huh. it with the gold. Uh-huh. But they also put what was called the Goddess of Speed. Yeah. It's this, it's this huge uh, hood ornament. Uh, her arms outstretched, holding a wheel. It's really cool. That, and that Packard's is always amazing. stop me. And I really, really like it. And they have, kind of like Ford, they have a script 
word logo mm-hmm. that feels simultaneously, you, you just expressed it very well about Ford and it kind of resonated with me, simultaneously it feels very old but not in need of being retired. You could put ah. Packard on a brand new super luxury car, that same Packard script, and you'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. that looks cool. I was looking at the Supra logo, the word that is the logo. And oh, yeah. It's very much the uh, uh, Indian ink or just the, the yeah, ink sure, sure. with the, the horsehair brush, the badger mm-hmm. brush. Yeah. And it's ver- it's left very amorphous, but I guarantee you that is designed each part of that. It was, sure, It was sure. an initial swipe probably with the artist drawing that word and then now they've made outlined and that thing. is definitive yeah yeah so you you see it but you still see the gesture mm-hmm. of that's uh, good of somebody writing that handwriting it but it's now a stylized logo mm. which i like here martin l asks how do you know when you're done with an automotive experience <laughs> let's say you had a string of gti's and two years ago you bought an og m2 <laughs> <laughs> While you love the M2, you find yourself constantly watching mini John Cooper Works videos because you miss the chuckability of a hot hatch. Interesting. So there's a definitive rear-wheel drive car, kind of like we were talking about for Brian. A definitive rear-wheel drive car. And what's he miss? Small front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. As soon as you write on social media, Martin, when are you done? You, then you know you're done. Yeah. As soon when you're as reaching you out to us. No, when you're craving a particular experience... From the steering wheel, from mm-hmm. the car that isn't delivering. And I don't mean not once in a while, but it, overall, you're constantly thinking, I wish the car did yeah. the yeah. thing I'm looking for, mm. and it just doesn't. It doesn't matter what the badge is on the hood. It doesn't matter how expensive the car is, and it doesn't matter how powerful or fast it is. If you're wanting that lightweight, chuckable, low-power kind of feeling... And you don't have it in your life, well, clearly you're wanting to chase it. So that mm-hmm. that's the first step in pushing you over the edge. But most importantly, I want you to realize is that that will bounce back and forth your whole life. Probably, yeah. You yeah. might go back to the mini John Cooper works and then miss the power and the speed and the, mm-hmm. the theater of the M2. Interesting, yeah, you're right, you're right. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Oh, I saw a question from Art Seas, Art Cervantes. He's the CEO of Radwood. Okay. He says, if the Elantra N looks like a mutant sea creature, what does the new CTR look like? And the answer, Art, is rear-wheel drive. That's what it you looks know, like. You know, it does. That, that really wide stance on that car, it could be rear-wheel drive. That's what it looks it like. It feels a little, it looks a little like the Stinger, I feel like. Like yeah, a smaller version yeah, of the Kia Stinger. It's, that's a good point. <laughs> Art Great to hear from you. Thanks for writing. To all of you, really appreciate your questions. Yeah. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.